I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. Who gives a fuck? I'll give personally kick Candace Owens and her stinky cray cray. I know this is gonna be a lot of okay. Let's keep this shit funky. All right, rolling on my end, rolling on my end. All right, stand by. Three, two. All right, after uh, um unfortunate, um, untimely Teddy Riley moment I, that was just unavoidable, welcome to another episode on the Unpopular Opinion Show. I'm T Storm, alongside my brother DJ Mike Swift. What's happening? What's going on, bro? What's going on, man? We're going we gonna to get this... Uh Technology shit figured out at some point. At some point, we will. At some <laughs> what point. are we, 16, 17 episodes in, and it's, it's something new every week? Teddy has shown us it can happen to anyone. So it's no disrespect when we call it a Teddy Riley moment. Like PSA. Yeah, it can happen to anyone. And Teddy, we with you. That's, that's all for hearing. Um, we are joined by a friend and um, a political analyst of sorts um, who talks that talk. Um, right. The most democratic motherfucker I know. Uh, uh, so, I mean, we've talked on the show a number of times about, you know, I've had my frustration or expressed my frustrations with people just kind of blindly voting and not thinking. So what I wanted to set up over the course of the next uh, few shows is to do a, a Democrats for dummies and a Republicans for dummies. Uh, and joining us today is Ayana, uh, very, very democratic, very, very, very democratic, very, um, very black. <laughs> so uh, I invited her on the show to give me <laughs> and very female. Yes, all of the above. Uh, uh, but I invited her on the show today to give me the Democrats for dummies, um, talking to talk about. Um, the, the, the Biden Kamala platform and really to just have some discourse about the political season. Welcome. Right. Welcome. Thank you. So, I mean, we have to start this with the breaking news as of Thursday, Friday, what Friday, it was Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, overnight, late night Thursday, it was, um, it was revealed that, uh, Hope Hicks, the uh, advisor to the POTUS, um, had um, become ill and was diagnosed and not what what had tested positive for COVID. I immediately put a joke up. I was like, for all those who are wondering why um, Trump hasn't caught COVID yet, stand back and stand by. There's hope. And a few hours later. <laughs> oh, wow. Um. Uh, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it happened. Um, they reported that uh, President Trump and his wife uh, tested positive for COVID, and it, it's, it's still a developing story. He was—he's now in the hospital. You know, they transferred him to the hospital. I don't remember the hospital in D.C. They took him to Walter Reed, right? Yeah. Um, and you know they're keeping it pretty buttoned up, pretty tight-lipped about how he's how he's mm -hmm. doing. They said it was mild system, symptoms at, initially. And then giving them some 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 treatments, some um, experimental treatments and shit like that. But right. I, I want to start off by saying this because we 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 joke a lot here on the show. I crack jokes, and there's no, it's there is no 
I, there's no hair in my tongue, as as uh, as uh, my Latinx people would say. Um, I don't really care for the dude, but seriously, at this moment in time, that is the president of the United States, and I take no, I take no, um, no joy in you know stating that he's sick with this you know incurable disease as it stands right now, right? Um, and you know. It's just it's 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 a terrible thing right now because again, the 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 the, the security of the nation could be at at risk, um, and you know we we do hope that he recovers. You know we want him to recover, don't want him right. to win another term, but we hope he recovers. But my thing about it, the whole thing about it is, and seriously, the I take issue with, and I think everybody should really think about this. You know, it's just a horrible thing when the president of the state, United States gets sick with a virus. I mean, the person. And and I, the person that was in charge of making sure that virus didn't get into the country and make people sick, they should lose their job. I mean, right. how, how you know how could something like this happen? I mean, whoever was in charge of keeping the nation safe, it's uh, you know the people safe from a virus. It got so bad that it got to the president of the United States. Whoever was in charge of that, they need to lose their job. And the next person that we put in place, we need to check their credentials. We need to make sure that they were, you know, mm-hmm. they're seasoned. They, you know, we need make sure they have some sort of uh, experience with the job. And, you know, I, that's that's really where I'm going with. That's that's all I got to say. about. Very that. subtle. What? Very subtle, T. Very, very, very subtle. Very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't loaded with opinions at all, by the way. Um, that, well, that's a lot to unpack. It really is. Um, but let me just say for the record, what happened with Trump is not going to affect the election. People have a pretty baked-in opinion about Donald Trump, and anything that he does at this point is just going to solidify what people already think about him. So I want to remove this idea that somehow this is a game-changer. This is an October surprise. I don't really think there's going to be an October surprise that's going to swing this election any kind of way. The opinions are baked in. And for the first time, and I've been a student of politics for about 20 years, this is the first time there's ever been such a small number of undecideds that it's almost undetectable. Mm. So let's just remove that from the, the process right well, now. I, and it's interesting that, interesting that you want to hold the person accountable for this, this pandemic mm-hmm. because the person is Donald Trump. Uh, wow. That is the person who allowed really? this, uh, That's unfortunate. Allowed this virus. Right. When he took that, when he dismantled Obama's pandemic task force, that was an open invitation to do it. He didn't he do that, did he? Hey, Yana, huh? You're not saying that the president dismantled a task force in charge of detecting infectious disease from getting into the country. He actually Strange. dismantled that and allowed Strange. this. That's, I can't believe that actually happened. Well, the black guy put that up first, so you know, of course, he has to dismantle that. That's just kind of how that's just kind of how Trump has proceeded with in the last three years. Oh, the black guys put this this policy up, so it must be bad for the nation, and it's bad for me politically among my base. Let me dismantle it. So here we are right now. So he's the person who who brought this in, and optically, it's terrible for him because it says to me, it says to the American public, not only can you not protect Americans from this deadly um, pandemic. You can't even protect yourself, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, the people who are in the White House with you working to protect this nation. You can't even protect them. Our military, our police force, 
There is nobody in this nation that you can protect because you can't protect yourself. And you are, my friend, the most protected person in America. If I can chime in just one second, though. I mean, you said that you, you sure. said that him be catching COVID is not necessarily a game changer for the election. I beg to disagree. Because oh, okay. if, um, <laughs> if he's not breathing no more, it's hard to elect a dead man. Let's say for the sake of argument, he at least survived the next 30 days. I mean, even even uh, Herman Cain gave us 30 days. I mean, let's just, let's say for the sake of argument. I think we, at, Trump, at this he, point, we don't we have like 35, <laughs> it's like 33, 35 <laughs> days till election? Walk it right up okay. to days before. Right. And unfortunately, I mean, and I believe, right. I don't, let me be clear, because I'm, I'm sure someone somewhere is listening and. I don't want this to make it sound like I'm hoping that this happens to him. I don't. Honestly, that right. is not sarcastic. Right. But if it was to happen, I believe they would take a page from Kim Jong-un and they'll walk him around like uh, fucking uh, Weekend at Bernie's out this bitch. Weekend at Bernie's. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But to, to cover up how sick or even how dead he actually is if it did happen. Right. Again, don't want that to happen. That would be a travesty. Right. That would be confusion. That would be right. terrible for the country. Well, even if that did happen, just keeping this bear in mind, the Constitution does not protect the ability the ability to vote for somebody who's dead. They can still vote for if, if God forbid Donald Trump passes away prior to the election, they can still vote for Donald Trump because you gotta remember, people are already voting. I already voted. <laughs> so people are already voting. The ballots have already been printed. Whether or not he passes away or not. Legally, they can still vote for him. Pence, of course, will take over, but <laughs> they can. And trust me when I say, chances are they will vote for a dead guy. That doesn't make over me feel, Biden. That does not make me feel good at all. Excuse it me. should not make well, you feel better because we're in a our country is so polarized that it's become to a point of ridiculousness. So, in in my estimation, I feel like if if the Democrats had put something up there, it's fundamentally as flawed as Trump. I would like to say that we would have some core of values, some core of morality left us in this and say, you know what? No, you can't do this. I think the Republicans have reached such a bottom level filter and because it's built on racism and angst and, and, and white anxiety that they have no bottom no more. They have no filter no more. Donald Trump is just the natural, the natural reaction, the natural uh, byproduct of what they have been telling since the days of Ronald Reagan. Let's just just to be clear about that. And this yeah. is a lot, this has a lot to do with why I'm a Democrat. And you know, people have, have gone on um, ad nauseum for the last five years about the crime bill. And and I I, I take issue with it too. So it was a horrible piece of legislation. It was a horrible piece of legislation 25 years ago when I was talking about it. Hold whatever. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me jump in. Let me, let me jump in right here. This is a good place to start, I think. So people right. in the know know what the crime bill is. The average person probably doesn't and doesn't know uh, the effect that it's had on the African-American community. Can we talk about that a little bit and and um, uh -huh. why that's uh, directly attributed to Biden? OK, so uh, so as we know, um, but let me just back up because things don't happen in a vacuum. OK, um, I think we all remember we're old enough to remember during the 80s and the 90s. There was this huge crack epidemic that led to a lot of violence. And, you know, it was always depicted in new movies and music. So we understand that this was real. This was our reality. This is how black Americans were living 
after the crack, crack epidemic. And we can go back to Ronald Reagan, but a lot of people don't want to do that. So sure. because of that, Biden responded by create, crafting this, this crime bill. Now, what we need to keep in mind as we're, we're arguing this point is that this was a bipartisan legislation. That, does, that means that Democrats and Republicans joined together to craft this piece of legislation. So it wasn't just Biden. So if we're going to hold people accountable, this is where you start holding both parties accountable because both parties came up with this horrible piece of legislation to address the pandemic. Now, what caused the, the, um, the most uh, contention in this legislation is that there was a disparity between crack epidemic and cocaine. And that calls for over-sentencing. So that is a five point because it has led to over-incarceration. It has destroyed a lot of families. And so Biden should be held accountable for it. But I am of the belief that everybody who supported that piece of legislation back then, and that includes the Congressional Black Caucus, should be held accountable for it. It was just an awful piece of legislation. So that it was brought into this, as it, that it was brought into this, this uh, election because of Biden. I'm okay with that because he needs to be held accountable for it. It needs to be explained and we need to understand where his mind was then and how he has evolved since then. So that is a, that is a legitimate argument to make that crime bill. So, Hmm. so I I was, I was looking around and I was kind of watching stuff and I think it was this year. um, One of the, I think senators involved with, that, that crime bill, drafting that crime bill had come out and said, ooh, yeah, that was a bad plan. We shouldn't have done that. Right. Biden was asked about it and he said, no, I wouldn't do anything different. I stand behind it. <laughs> Horrible gaff. Admit it. Admit it. You know, and it's not that the entire crime bill was built on the purpose of over-incarceration. That's just how it led to. That's what, what it led to. And I wish that it was, had been some more hindsight behind it. I don't think that it was like, hey, you know what? Let's create this piece of legislation so we can specifically over-incarcerate black people and use crack as a, as a, as a crush, as a scapegoat to do it. I don't think that's how it happened. But Biden not taking full responsibility, and I've noticed he's kind of waffled on that repeatedly, too. There were great aspects of it. It was the, the elimination of the assault ban. Uh, the, the assault ban. It was also the Violence Against Women's Act. And as a woman... Absolutely approved of it. Fair enough. But but <laughs> but let's not act like that one of that one piece of of of, of, of over sentencing didn't affect the black community as a whole, and it's and we're still reeling from it. So there is that. Um, but what, what we could also take a look at is that when Obama came into office, him and um, him and Biden uh, created the Fair Sentencing Act, which specifically overturned the disparities between crack and cocaine. So he hasn't given himself enough credit for that because when that piece of legislation was coming down the pipeline, Biden was on Capitol Hill lobbying hard for it. So why he's not bringing that up, I have absolutely no idea. But the Obama administration, with that piece of uh, with that piece of legislation, actually overturned the biggest problems with that crime bill. So there's that. So I think one of the biggest problems that that people have, and they they do it on both sides, right, is looking back so much, right? And we can talk about the crime bill and and look in the past all day long. What do we know about Biden's plan for the African-American community now? Okay. Um, So the first first and foremost, we have to recognize that racial injustice is a huge, huge problem in this country. Um, And so the the, the ability to recognize that uh, black assets, black lives matter, 
and, and joining together with them to kind of reform, um, reimagine what police uh, is, is doing in this country. How, reimagine how police are policing this country. And I think that it's very important that Biden uh, it takes some type of initiative with it. I think the problem with, with, this, with how this racial tension has just bubbled up in the last few months is that Biden hasn't really got his head around the real need for reform and that is fact that it's happening and that this conversation is happening in the middle of the uh, of an election. He feels a little, I think he feels a little nervous about saying specifically, you know, I'm for police reform because he's afraid of defending law enforcement. And it's a, it's a tight line to walk, you know, That's because true. you don't, you don't want to say law enforcement, all bad. We recognize that all law enforcement is not bad. And, and we have to, and in a campaign, you have to be very, very conscious about how you frame things. So you don't want to offend law enforcement because if you want to be the president of the United States, you got to recognize that I want to govern this 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 body of uh, of, of government as well. Um, and so I want what I want and what I'm hoping for uh, Biden to do is to really really join heads and join forces and get behind um, um, reforming the police department. Um, a lot of things like defunding the police, which is a horrible slogan. I wish they stopped that. Um, yeah, it's it's a terrible slogan. Um, we really it's misleading as fuck is what it is. It makes <laughs> it it make people think that you're going to pull all of the money out of the police department, yeah. which I think we can all agree is a terrible, terrible idea, yeah. right? But that's not what it means. But that's right. ex- if you take the words literally. That's exactly what it means. I mean, right. but at the same right. time, at the same time, there are there are people that know what it means that take and advantage and say, right. and, like for instance, um, the the little the little blonde um, chick from cable news, and I don't want to say her name, but the one she always would say, "Oh, the Black Lives Matter more crew," you know. You know that's right. not what's being said, but you are—they're right. being—they're being obtuse for real. I mean, they're being—they're being, yeah, purposely obtuse. And I, yeah, they absolutely get that. But you got to realize they, who they're appealing to. They're appealing to people who believe in that, who need those sound bites to to you know for some reason to believe that you know Democrats are bad, socialism, communism, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, whatever. They need those sound bites, those buzzwords. So that works—that works politically for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that that body is trying to work. Uh, you have to unmute yourself. Um, she got muted. You muted yourself oh, somehow. That, um, that, that, there you go. If Biden wins the election, he would really, really get behind police reform. Like, get Kamala, uh, Kamala in there. We got to talk about police reform. But on the other note, as far as with the black community, what Biden recognizes about the black community is racial income disparities is a huge, huge, huge problem in the black community. We talk about uh, economic empowerment. We can't even get paid on the uh, you muted yourself you again. And I and I, I like the fact that Biden is taking some initiative to address that uh, disparities in healthcare, particularly the ones with Black women. Uh, we have infant and uh, mother maternity rates that are higher than anyone else. We have uh, heart disease. I mean, we we are born with a pre-existing condition the moment we can, we come out uh, of the birth canal, and you know, and not even that. Even when we do have insurance. I'm sure racism also funnels through our healthcare programs too. When when black women cannot even speak to their doctor and be believed and be trusted about their own bodies and be treated accordingly, it is a problem and it is happening in the black community among women all the time. And this is why we're we're dying in our sleep and we don't realize because when we talk to our healthcare professionals, they don't believe us. 
And it's the same way with the court system. Um, rape. Rape is a big problem. Sexual assault is a big problem in the black community, particularly among females. We are not believed in the court systems either. Right now, as it stands, the Republicans are blocking any attempts by Democrats to pass legislation to clear up the rape clip um, backlog. You know that those backlogs have been years and years and years in process that most of those people have, have gone past the statute of limitations. So even if we do clear off the, 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 the rape tip backlog, they'll never stay in, in prison. And a lot, of those, a lot of those people have committed assaults against black women. Mm. I mean, we can just go on and on and on and on. Redlining is another issue. We're talking about black people climbing and getting out of the, the ghettos, whatever. Uh, when you have policies that, that, that you know, deny people, uh, black people loans that qualify, that have credit scores at least decent enough to apply for some type of first loan program, and they're being denied, but the white counterparts get those homes, that's what's happening right now. Recently, just recently, uh, President Donald Trump uh, overturned a, um, a law that, um, that Obama put in office in his DOJ that allows people to be discriminated against in suburban homes. So when Obama, so when Trump is all around talking about how uh, we were going to keep the, you know, keep low income people out of suburbs, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about keeping black people, uh, low income black people who have been pinching pennies and saving all of their lives to get that nice little home in the suburbs. He's basically just overturned Obama's discrimination policy. So, so now those bankers are saying, nope, you can't move into that neighborhood because my president just allowed me to discriminate on you because of your race. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on and on. But I think that if Listen. you look at what Donald Trump is with the, with the, the RNC's 2020 platform, it's just a blank check, whatever Trump wants. And then you look at what um, Obama and Kamala are promising or, or, or running on. It's kind of not a hard choice for me. You know what I mean? Uh, particularly, and, in the, and if we're going to go to, and I'm sorry, and I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the crime bill, but this is really, really important. Really, really important. Donald Trump has his, um, has nominated and appointed 198 justices to the lower court. Oh, he you know brags about that. Black? He brags about that. You know how many were black? Zero. You know how many have, you know how many have a good record on racial discrimination? Mm. None of them. So when you talk about crime bills and over-incarcerating black people, these are the people who black people are going to face when they go to court. These are the people, forget about Ruth Bader Ginsburg right now. The lower courts are the ones that are being attacked by these Republicans who are putting all these rednecks and, and southern rednecks in these courts in Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia. Look at Kemp. Like, this is what is happening in this country. And so when you talk about over-incarceration, the only way we're going to get rid of that is if we think about what's happening protecting these courts. So that's another thing about that needs to be considered when we're talking about the black agenda. Who we put in these court systems. That's another thing. If, they're not, if they don't look like us, if they don't represent us, and they don't have a good record on racial discrimination from other rulings that they made, they should not be sitting on the court, and we should be out there voting and marching and making sure that that never, ever happens. So, I think you make a very great point, right? That last bit, right? So all of that is the scope and scale of what the problem is facing the, the, our community, right? I still haven't heard yet how Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to look at this scope and scale and what they're going to do specifically to change it. Why is that important? Because I don't feel like we should just blindly give our vote to someone who's not the other team. 
So you have my interest, right? And when I say you, I mean the Democratic Party. You Mm -hmm. have my interest. I'm likely to align and vote with you, but I still want to know what you're going to do. I still want to know how my life is going to be better Right. Other than it's just no longer the other guy. Yeah, on my before you and the the bottom line for me before you answer all that is there's nothing we we'll, we would get from Trump. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Not Absolutely a nothing. goddamn right. thing. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy right. getting nothing, right. <laughs> well, I mean, it, but on to Mike's point, I get the nothing. But nothing, and, and, and when people look at this politically, they see, they, they do that false equivalency. They're not going to do anything for me. They're not going to do anything for me. And so so to say that, you know, well, Trump is not going to do anything is not going to explain what the Democrats are going to do. So to Mike's point, I can understand that. And to be totally honest, Mike, systemically, racism is so engulfed in the DNA. I'm not sure there's anything a, a, a president can do. What a president can do on the federal level is make sure that the even the playing field is evil to a to a level it can be. But there's always going to be systemic racism. There's really nothing we can do because there's no president is going to fundamentally change your life. Absolutely, that's right. You you can't you can't legislate away feelings, right? So right. I absolutely right. get that. But right. What what you can do is say. Um, these are the, the, uh, this is the task force I'm going to put together to, to try right. to tackle the issue of redlining. This is going to hold, um, lenders accountable. If after an audit of their books for two quarters shows that there's obvious lending disparity, this is how, right. So right. I want to hear him say these things. Like I know right. people are still going to be assholes no matter what law you put into place, right. but for me to cast my vote. In my mind, it's like me giving away my money, right? right I'm not just going to give away my money to somebody because they say they want it. Like, right. Okay, you want it. What you going to do with it? Right. How am absolutely. I going to get a return on that? Right. How is my money going to work for me? It's right. the same thing, right? I, I, and, and not even just in the short term, but in the long term. Mm-hmm. I think black people need to, if, if we decide, and I said this on the show before, I don't care who we align behind. I don't. But if we as a community say, we are going to align behind the Democratic Party. Fine. We need to hold them accountable and make them earn that vote mm-hmm. every single every time. time. Mm-hmm. They cannot count on it because when they do count on it, when they know they got you, you become low priority. Right. They're like, well, we don't have to do nothing for the black community because right. we know we got them. Let's focus on the Asian community, the Latino community, or our um, 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 low-income white community because that's what we don't have. Because ultimately, right. they want the biggest base that they can have. So right. my, link, my right. thing is, if we're going to line, let's align. But right. they need to be vocal about how they're going to help the same way they're vocal about how bad the other side is. Right. So, so this is my thought process. Uh, and again, going back to this particular election because it is unprecedented. There has never been a candidate in my lifetime who is so fundamentally, fundamentally aware of how much he owes his whole goddamn campaign to black people. Dude, if it was not for black people Fair in enough. South Carolina, there would not have been a Joe Biden. Bill Biden, we literally picked him up in their campaign like a coffin and carried him across the finish line and propped him back up. So he better, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that he's so, so,
so uber aware that he owes to the black community, it would be a missed opportunity for us not to, to take advantage of that. So we understand, you understand, that you owe us your entire life. We owe, you owe your campaign to us. It will be a mistake for us not to make our demand. And that is what we need to be doing right now. This is what we demand. I don't care how absurd it, how absurd it is right now. We saved your campaign. I'm going to pink Cadillac. Whatever. Make your goddamn demand. <laughs> I want some ribs. <laughs> Diamond and everybody. This guy. Right. I want free right. ribs on Friday. Right. Right. I want you to be like Oprah. <laughs> You get some coffee, you know, coffee. He do, I mean, seriously, black people, we have to realize that Biden owes us. He owes us everything. And we do need to make our demands. There's no reason why we can't. There's no reason why we can't collectively get together and say this is what we want. If we show out and show up in November and put him over the line like we did Obama, then there's nothing he can't owe. I mean, there's nothing he can't say that that's no to us about. You know, you know what I mean? There's, there's no way you can say no. So I, I so yeah, and so, if and if he does, if he does say no, if we elect him, primary, and and there is no significant change, well, if there's a let's say we elect him, he does his four years. There's no significant change in in um uh police killing, social justice, police department reform, redlining, uh food deserts in our communities, all of this stuff that that is a manageable thing. If there's no change, then we need to right. reflect that. We need to make the Democratic Party feel right. that Absolutely. when it's time for him to run for uh, another term. Right. What, what, we need to make him right. feel it. What, what, and I think the problem part of the problem is right part of the problem is that we, every four years we have this binary choice. And that's just a reality. I mean we have our third party options. But now the third party is only going to um it only going to uh, make sure ensure that it's one the other way. So it is going to be a binary choice that's unfortunate. I really wish that we would get behind more of a third party candidate is that our reality? I'm not sure. Because the problem with the black community is we're not a collective voice. You know, we have a we have people who, who think you who are married and, and, and completely completely happy with the Democratic Party. And then you have the other segment who are like, you know what, they don't do anything. And you have other people who are completely apathetic to the process at all. I mean, completely. So I mean we're not a collective voice. So that's kind of part of the problem. You know, during the civil rights era, we actually felt and, and understood that Jim Crow was crushing us. We don't have that now. We have a certain amount of freedom for the black people. Like, you know what? I got what I got, and I'm just going to take it. So, and and two, we collectively come together and say, you know what? Let's collectively pull out. I'm not sure what the answer is, to be totally honest. Uh, the only thing we can do at this point is just apply pressure with the only political party that wants to do something that 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 is beholden to us, as opposed to the other party that's kind of both neo-Nazis and proud boys and whatever craziness is going on that side. Right. We know they're not going to be beholden us. They know, we know they feel like there's nothing that we can say or offer the black community, and we're not going to, you know, eliminate our base to to pander to them. We got to understand that. So the might if if Biden fails and Kamala can't, you know, pull the reins. I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is at that point. I can, but I, can. I know that right now this is a pivotal moment. So we uh, we we got to get out there. We got to vote in November. We got to make our voices heard this election. And then and then use that as as, as leverage. Mm-hmm. We have to use that as leverage. Like, look, 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 we put you in office. Right. Get I, it I, together. I, you know. I, I have a suggestion. I, all right. So the goal obviously is to get the 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 orange uh, shit stain out of the White House first and foremost. Uh huh. Um. 
ASAP. Right. And if in in four years, I, I, that's a lot of pressure for four years, to be honest with you, for, for, you know, for Harris and Biden or Biden and Harris to be able to clear up everything. That's, that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. There's a lot of, there's a lot more things that need to happen right. in, in other elections to accomplish all the, all the other things that we need to happen. Right. right. But I will say if that shit don't work, this needs to be a real collective effort to tear the bitch down and leave. Because <laughs> so, burn the house. If y'all can't, right, we're going to give you these four years, maybe six. Right. Y'all can't do, I mean, well, obviously, you know, in, if, in that fifth year, you ain't, okay, here we go. Burn right. this bitch down and we out. This is, we, we, you know, right. put our money in, into but, a nation in Africa somewhere or, or Jamaica. Right. We're going to move that. Akon's new city. Right, right. Or, right. Or go That's rebuild. Go rebuild Haiti. Right. Go rebuild Haiti. Right. Well, well, here's the well, here's the thing. And I, and what Biden and and Kamala can do is build that foundation to start the progress. If they can at least build that foundation, if they can put some policies in place to start that process, then that's good enough. No, we're not going to see changes overnight, and they need to be very, very clear about that. We're going to put this. We're going to reimagine the police force. But that doesn't mean that police are going to automatically stop killing black people because that's just not reality. Because, as Mike just said, you cannot legislate morality. You can't legislate decency. It's just not going to happen. There's always going to be those bad apples. But there needs to be like uh, there needs to be uh, proof that when these instances occur, there is now a foundation in federal government that starts to process these people and remove them and start and start doing things like preventative measures. You know that guy who kneeled on uh, um, George Floyd's neck, Derek Chauvin, I think it's his name? Do you know he had complaints up the arm? Mm. Why was he still serving? This tax invader, sorry, who, who was supposed to be enforcing law, was out on the streets, kneeling on people's necks, when he had a, he had a, a, a complaints uh, record longer than your arm. These are things that need to be mandated. These, things, these policies need to be mandated so we can prevent these things. Because that person shouldn't have been out on the street anyway. And these are things that we can do, we can put in place so that we have some type of system that monitors these problematic police and get them off the street before Tamir Rice died, before Philando Castile died, before all these police unnecessary shootings occur for us to unarmed black people. There are things we can do. So again, we're not going to see it magically happen in four years. You're absolutely right. But if Kamala and, and Biden can build that foundation so we can look at something so we can see there's some type of light at the end of the tunnel that could work, you know. That shows some kind of commitment to making sure this process uh, happens. I honestly what? considered because I'm because I'm thinking and, and everything you said makes sense. But okay, here's because here's oh, here's the question: What happens if our efforts to get Biden across the line fail, and um, the Agent Orange? Gets another term. What do we do then? <laughs> Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting the move. Keep fighting or Donna. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have no other choice. <laughs> we right. don't have no other choice. I mean, we, we can't be complete. We can't be complacent in our in our oppression. Right. That's never gotten us anywhere. I mean, it's a it's a hard it's a hard reality to face, but it's a reality that it's a possibility. Right now, uh, real clear politics has um, 
This is how frightening this possibly is. Right now, real clear politics has uh, uh, Trump's chances of winning at 28%. Keep in mind that four years ago, Biden, Trump's chances was 20%. Mm. You understand? That, that's just how frightening this is. So when you see these numbers like, oh, Biden's doing really well, and he's just, you know, he had a double-digit lead, and None of that shit matters. That. <laughs> yeah, none of that shit matters. It doesn't matter. And and right. they don't play fair at all. At all. At all. They've stolen at no. least and that's three elections can... in my lifetime. At least right. Three. And so that's another thing you have to keep right. So another that's another thing we need to be very conscious about, especially when it comes to this Supreme Court fight, because it's not just about Roe v. Wade. For the last decade. The conservative court has been stripping down voting rights act bit by bit by bit for the last decade. This is exactly why the Republicans have been closing down polling stations in predominantly black neighborhoods, and claiming it because they, the uh, the population is uh, is, is growing and people are moving out. But in older and elderly neighborhoods, they keep adding more polling stations in. So if the argument is that people are dying out in that community, why are you adding more to the elderly communities because they're whiter? Let's just be honest, you know. So that is that's another thing that we need to keep that we gotta be conscious of because you know I know a lot of black people are apathetic for voting, but for those who are vote, that option should be there. We should not be fighting. We should not be worried. We should not be safeguarding our mail-in ballots because there's a party that specifically does not want us to vote, and so we have to keep that in mind too. Even if you're not okay with voting, at least vote and protect somebody else's right to vote. You know what I mean? These things are like imperative. Civil Rights Act. It also stripping down down those too for years for the last decade. This is well, let me let me jump in. Let me jump in right here. Mm-hmm. Let me jump in right here so we can we can because there's a lot of information. So I want to parse it out for people who aren't. I know it's a lot to unpack. I know. I know. So let's let's go back to the Voting Rights Act. A lot of people right. have heard of heard of it, but I. I would dare to say that the majority of people don't know what it is and why it's important and what's the democratic stance towards it. Right. So, okay. So first, first thing we have to understand is that voting rights act is an act. There is a difference between an act and a law right now. The fact that black people are not being protected as a law is problematic with John Lewis. One of the last things John Lewis did was try to fight to get a Voting Rights Act law enacted. And this is what the fight has been about. John Lewis is trying to get that enacted to a law. So basically what the Voting Rights Act law did, it, uh, the Voting Rights Act in accordance with Civil Rights Act. This is what uh, Martin Luther King came to Washington to fight for. And basically it built up right, um, certain rights, uh, jurisdictions, and law enforcement, not sorry, law enforcement, local, local levels, to ensure the voting rights of black people. This is basically what it is. For black, for women, for uh, Hispanics, for Asians. you got to remember that no one had the right to vote in the ni- until the 1920s, except for black for white men, until the 1920s when they allowed white women to vote. Other than that, people of color did not have the right to vote. No person of color had the right to vote. This is what the Voting Rights Act did to protect us. And now that it's an act, again, the Republican Party has been stripping down so when I say this on the federal level, on the local level, on the local level, they're allowing states to have certain rights to strip down voting, voting rights for black people, which is exactly what the Republicans are doing when they were they were closing down polling stations in predominantly black neighborhoods. So this is this is a this is a fundamental problem. When you start allowing certain states to have rights 
over who is allowed to vote, that is a problem. And this is what the Voting Rights Act did on the federal level. But now that the courts are stripping it down and giving more states their rights, here we are. Wow. So how specifically to Biden and Kamala, how are they tackling that? What are they going after? Right. Because if if um, if I think of the Democratic Party as the the liberal party, the in favor for people of color, the social justice party, I would think that primary on their list of things to do is to move this from an from an act to an inalienable right solidified by our constitution. Right. So right. What so that's exactly what they're doing. Right. That's what they're okay. doing. So basically the, the Democratic Party collectively, and I wish they would start talking about it. Can I get it? COVID is overshadowing things. But the Democratic Party collectively are championing around making the civil rights, I mean the voting rights act a law. And that includes Joe Biden, who's talked specifically about it, as well as Kamala. Why they're not talking about it specifically, I have absolutely no idea. Um, again, it, it, and I get it because tr- Trump is such a is such a uh, uh, he sucks the oxygen out of everything. So it's kind of hard to say he does. I mean, every day is a new headline. Like we just had, like he was he wouldn't condemn white supremacy to you know Trump has COVID. Like what the fuck just happened in twenty four hours? Like I haven't even. I, only, I haven't even wrote a post about this yet, and now it's something else. Like, yeah. it's, it's too e- much. Each it's, day, each day too, is a uh, long, each day is a long-ass week. Oh, my God. Every every day, it's like a new TMZ headline around our president. It's exhausting. And so this is why a candidate has so much trouble trying to keep the conversation and about, so, I mean, about issues. And let's be honest. Rarely, rarely, rarely in, in, in presidential elections do we focus on issues. We rarely do that. It's always this gotcha moment. Like four years ago, it was about emails. I didn't give two fucks about her email. I, I really didn't. I, I, I don't think anybody should have cared about her email. But she was talking about policies and we were talking about emails. And I think, before, I mean, uh, before that, it was 47%, ironically, wasn't paying their taxes. Mitt Romney was going around and 47% of the country not paying. Before then, it was a bother than his birth certificate. We never, we're never on, on issue. We never stay on task when it comes to these, these uh, presidential elections. We're always, you know, get bogged down in the smears and the, and the distractions and things of like that. It's worse now. It's worse now because we can't keep up. We can't, we can't, we can't catch our breath from the, from the last thing that Trump did to the next thing. It's just, it's, it's exhausting. And so, to yeah. Mike's point, why aren't we all, why aren't they talking about it? This is why, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's always, um, look at this. Right. <laughs> Over <Squirrel>. here. Squirrel. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, the thing. I mean, even, even in this election, they tried to, uh, try to question whether or not Kamala was really born in the United States. They really tried to work the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're trying to Hunter Biden thing, and it's like it's all falling flat because Trump has been such a mitigated disaster. And and no matter how they're gonna try, no matter how they try to change it around, these, this is this election is gonna be a referendum on what Trump did for the last four years. All right, so folks, listen, listen. Um, this is the unpopular opinion show. T Stone, Mike Swift, and I'm joined. Joined. I'm tipsy. How about that? I had like I had seven a uh, seven glasses of this brown liquor. 
um, that apparently has twisted my words just a little bit. But listen, don't hold that against me. Listen, if you're enjoying the conversation, we got more to come. We're going to talk about the president's taxes. Ayanna's going to stay with us. Um, and we might even talk about whether or not, you know, you want to get pissed or shit on. I mean, depends on what you went to. I'm pissed. I'm going to go for pissed. Easy to walk off. <laughs> Doesn't you, smell as bad. <laughs> you, 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 you seem like an R. Kelly um, uh, a fan. It's cool. I um, am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> the Unpopular Opinion Show continues in part two. Stay with us. Thank you for, for listening. And uh, unpopping.com is our website. Unpopping show at all social medias. And uh, stay tuned for part two. Peace. I know this is going to be unpopular. No, I'm kidding.